Are you tired of the same old business advice? Welcome to the Liberated CEO Experience, the podcast that's redefining entrepreneurial success one unscripted and candid conversation at a time. Get ready to soak up unfiltered stories of triumph, failure, and everything in between from trailblazers who are rewriting the rules of the game and building thriving businesses on their own terms. So if you're ready to level up your impact, income, and joy, all while staying true to your unique vision, you're in the right place. This is the Liberated CEO Experience. Welcome back, resilient entrepreneurs and trailblazers. You've tuned in to another eye-opening episode of the Liberated CEO Experience, the podcast that's all about breaking the mold and building a business that supports your holistic well-being. I'm your host, Ty Goodwin, and today we're diving into a topic that's profoundly important yet often swept under the rug in the entrepreneurial world, entrepreneurs and mental health. We're extremely fortunate to have the incredible Julian Lewis, co-founder and COO at Zella Life, join us for this vital conversation. Julian is not only an accomplished entrepreneur and corporate trainer, but he's also a trailblazer in the field of coaching. Through his work at Zella Life, he's bridging the diversity gap and empowering individuals and businesses to reach their full potential. Together, we'll shed light on the intersection of entrepreneurship and mental health, exploring the unique challenges that entrepreneurs face and the strategies to navigate them. Julian will share insights from his wealth of real-life experiences, providing practical tools and a fresh perspective on maintaining mental well-being in your entrepreneurial journey. So if you're ready to prioritize your mental health as a key component of your success, then you're in the right place. Sit back, Take a deep breath and let's delve into the world of entrepreneurs and mental health with the inspiring Julian Lewis right here on the Liberated CEO Experience. Okay, so if you have been following along with our conversations, you know that one of the things we strive to do is bring real conversations about real topics. There's enough fluff out there in the world and we want to make sure that we're delivering value, but that we're also unearthing conversations that you don't always get to hear. And today is another conversation. We're going to be talking with Julian Lewis and we're talking about mental health for entrepreneurs and just mental health period. This is a topic that's gotten more time in a spotlight over the last three or four years than ever, but there's still some things that we don't always talk about when it comes to entrepreneurship. And so Julie and I are going to have a really good conversation about this. Julian, can we talk a little bit about like, why is this a topic that's important to you? It's important to me for many reasons. And just a little bit about my background prior to being a founder with Zella Life and focusing on helping bridge the gap of diversity within corporations, I had to deal with a lot of things related to mental health. I was building businesses on my own. Prior to that, I was a senior systems engineer. And as a senior systems engineer, I was taught to focus on hard skills. So if you look at myself or anyone else from four years old all the way through college, we're taught hard skills. We're taught in elementary school math and we're taught science. We're taught all of these things. And don't get me wrong, they're great. But what we had to figure out on our own, the interpersonal skills, we had to figure out emotional intelligence on our own. And it wasn't even a thing that was brought up, let alone where there are processes, systems, modalities to teach children how to effectively relate to each other, how to give each other grace, how to offer compassion. None of these things existed. So by the time I got into my career, I was in a glass ceiling. 
and things were tossed about. I felt discriminated towards. I dealt with racism. In my own, I dealt with imposter syndrome because of experiences that I had in the past. And then I was also projecting into my present some mm. of the experiences of racism based on things looking similar. Mm -hmm. And instead of realizing that they weren't, I was reacting based on those emotions. And it wasn't until I was able to tap into therapy and coaching and those two elements allowed me to really have a different perspective on my world, see mm -hmm. what I could focus on and control versus trying to control all of the uncontrollables, if you will. Wow, you just said so much in that space. And I'm really glad that you're able to put words to this because for so long, especially in the African-American culture, we have not been able to give words to some of these things that we've experienced or that we felt or the ways that we were instructed as we were growing up, like emotional intelligence and emotional IQ. That's a big thing now, but that was unheard of 10, 20 years ago. And we see the repercussions of that now in a lot of places. Now, you mentioned that you are a founder and that you have started some businesses before. And one of the things that I know is that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with mental health issues. Have you seen that same thing and uncovered that same thing? Can you talk a little bit about what that's about? Absolutely. And it's really a foundation that has been forgotten about or a foundation that has been neglected. And, and it shows up in everything that we do. So just look at it from a holistic perspective. And you look at the human beings and how we grow and how we focus on hard skills. And then we decide, okay, we're prepared, we're growing, we're building, we're doing everything that everyone else is doing, so we must be healthy. And then we get into a situation where we decide, I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to create something great. I have the skills to do it. Let's do it. And then you start addressing unknowns, unknown variables. You can possibly have financial stressors. You can have stresses with relationships because you're stepping outside of the norm and you're doing something different than the majority of people. And then you have stressors because friends and family start to look at you as maybe obsessed or crazy because you're doing something outside of their norm. So you have all of these things happening to you at once, and you've never learned how to process how you're feeling. You can't give words to certain ways that you're feeling or experiencing. So then those stressors start to allow people to spiral. They start to think about maybe imposter syndrome kicks in. Maybe I'm not fit for this. And so all of that is happening at once. We don't know how to discern what is and what isn't. We don't know what is being projected or what's happening in real time. And if all of that is going on in your mind, how do you do that and still be effective in building what you're trying to build? Yeah. So it's really important for founders to tap in. Even the shirt that I have on, it's dream, build, scale, and an impact. Mm -hmm. But you can't do those things if you're not looking inward to pull out the areas that are possibly blind spots to work on so that you can be all those things you need to be to your employees or to your audience or to your customer. Yeah. I think that's one of the things we don't realize is that our businesses 
or even our careers can only grow as much as we are able to grow. And the impact sometimes is stunted because we aren't doing the work and it's not a blame at all. Sometimes we don't even know that there's work to be done. We don't even realize that we're not eligible for certain growth because of the work that has to be done. And a lot of us, and this is part of my story, and I don't know if this was true for you, but for me, religion had a large part to play with that. It was what we grew up with was that you don't need medication. You don't need counseling. You just need Jesus. And you just need to go to church more, do all those things. And man, I think we've done a huge disservice to a lot of people. Religion and spirituality, I'll say spirituality definitely has its place. But man, so much more has changed in my own path when I stopped letting religion dictate things and really started seeking honest answers that were going to actually help me grow and not keep me stunted. I don't know if you've experienced that same thing or you see that same thing. I've seen people rely on narratives that they were given before they were even born. Mm -hmm. So one of my counterparts who we run a space for men's mental health every Tuesday on a social platform, he says that we've signed contracts that we don't even know who we signed. So Mm -hmm. if you look at it from a religious standpoint, the religion that most people have today as adults are the ones of their parents. And so the reason why that happens, even if they say they choose it, is because they were born into certain ways of living where the authority figures in their life gave them certain certain key elements of leadership that was connected to the religion that the parents chose. And so they were conditioned to believe certain things were the way to go. Now you find yourself in a religion that you chose but didn't choose, questions that weren't asked. And so you're stuck following a certain path without asking how much of this is relevant today and how much of it is hurting me right now. And it's even taboo to bring that type of a question up because you're not supposed to ask. But when you mention Jesus, a lot of spiritual leaders will tell you to be childlike. And one of the things that is associated with being childlike is to ask questions. And again, if we're not given the tools all throughout life to process these things, then it's very difficult for us to identify what works well for us and what doesn't fit for the things that we want to do in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful that we're having this conversation. You mentioned men's mental health, and that's been a huge thing. You know, a lot of women have found their way to therapy, even women of color. More and more of us are doing two things, stepping out of traditional religious boxes. And number two, investing in therapy, investing in counseling, investing in mentors and all those kinds of experiences. And men, it seems like it's taken them a little bit longer to get there. So I've got a question, and this is for men, and this is for some women too. But if someone is feeling like things aren't right, how do they ask for help? Because I think that's the thing. Like I know we're, especially women, we don't want to ask for help because we are supposed to be strong, but I think even more so for men. So do you have any tips or advice for people who want to ask for help? Like, how do they do that? I look at it a little bit different. And because before you can ask for help, it's necessary to get supported. Okay. Mm-hmm. Take for instance, if you're a strong individual and you don't ask for help, but I'm supporting you. And I can see that some areas are tough right now. I can be there and be supportive of you. Now, I won't be able to help you if I'm not a mental health professional. Mm -hmm. And I think a big mistake on both sides is that sometimes we try to offer help 
we're, we're not professionals mm -hmm. and we wind up hurting more than we're doing help. So mm -hmm. it takes being a professional to help, but anyone can support. I mm -hmm. can be there and listen. I can turn off the self-talk in my mind, turn that down, turn up the ability to listen to you and hear you in the moment versus hearing you to give you a solution. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's all it takes. I mean, in our space, we offer men the ability to speak and be heard. That mm -hmm. space allows them to talk out certain things, to hear different perspectives. And the support system that is created allows people to get more comfortable with the idea of help because they see how much good is happening with being supported. So mm -hmm. I think that's the first step, supporting each other, asking yourself, how do I show up in the way of support for the men in my life? And I don't mean, I know Valentine's Day was yesterday or the day before. I don't mean that. What I mean is, how do you show up for your brother? How do you show mm -hmm. up for your uncle? How do you show up for your father? Do you even show up for the people that are opposite sex? Do you show up for them in a supportive way if you believe they're strong or do you not mm -hmm. even check on them? Yeah. And if you ask those questions and start to create a supportive dynamic between mm -hmm. you and the others, you can also foster it and reciprocate it as well. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. I love that distinction between support and professional help, because I think you're right. A lot of times we'll confide in people or we'll share things with people and expect them to be able to swoop in. But again, they're not professionals and some of the stuff that we're dealing with it requires <laughs> professional strength like solutions right, um, right. so that, that's really important and this piece about support I want to expand on that a little bit because you talked about the importance of listening and about making people feel heard and I think that's something that we can definitely all learn how to do and be more intentional about it instead of casting judgment. And I want to talk about this kind of gets into, I guess, the other work that you do around diversity and inclusion, because we're in like what cancel culture right now mm -hmm. with a lot of different things. So even if you're speaking up and you're wanting to be heard, I feel like sometimes people are afraid to be vulnerable because of how they're going to be judged. And nobody wants that. So what are some things that we can do to not judge people for when they're taking that risk of being vulnerable and sharing? That's a good question. And you're absolutely right. Just to give a little bit of detail about that. So not even just with people of color. So all of us come together in one place, the workplace. When we go home, the majority of the people are going home to neighborhoods with more people that look like them. They're going to churches with people that look like them. They're spending, hanging out, having fun with people that look like them. So the only time that we are really truly diverse is when we're in the workplace, mm -hmm. okay? So one thing I'll tell you is, it's understanding what it is. All, oftentimes in the DEI space, you'll hear a lot about focusing on unconscious bias. You, you'll hear a lot about focusing on inclusion and all of these things. But the problem is most DEI practitioners are trying to solve the problem by trying to heal the symptom mm -hmm. instead of the core. And then on the other side, the non-POC, the white people, they start to feel alienated and anything that they do is wrong and that the goalpost is always moving. So mm -hmm. I'm always walking on eggshells because if I feel uncomfortable and don't say anything, then I'm complicit and I'm wrong for that. Mm -hmm. But if I do speak up, 
in a wrong way, if I show solidarity because I say something for Black History Month, then I'm looked at as trying to look like I'm doing something. Even though I'm not. So I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. So yeah. what do I do? The issue is we all have collective trauma. In my company, we've coined it the collective trauma gap. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is how all of us filter the traumas of our ancestors, mm -hmm. whether we were on more of a benefactor side or mm -hmm. more on the victim side. But if we can look at the problem, then we can get together on the same side to address it. Mm -hmm. What allows us to do so is compassion and grace. Mm -hmm. You have to think about yourself. So yeah. how would I want to be treated if I made a mistake? Would I want to be held accountable and had my whole life ruined for that mistake? Or would I want to have been given a second chance? Yeah. So if that's the case with me, am I being a hypocrite and canceling this person out and not allowing them to be human when I would want to be seen as human? Yeah. And I think that's the starting point with addressing that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is so powerful. And I'm loving the words that you're using. I remember having that same thought. I went to a conference a while ago. It was around DEI. It was held in Minnesota, big conference to talk about white supremacy and privilege and all those kind of things. And one of the things I realized then was that we always talk about the trauma that people of color experienced, but I started thinking about the people that watched the black people experience that trauma. You know, it's kind of like if you're in a household and there's domestic violence and they say, no, I wasn't hit, but I saw it. And we've got so many people who they may not have done the hitting. They may not be the people that were hosed or hit, but they saw it. And that's a form of trauma that no one deals with or talks about. They experience that. And so you've got generation after generation and nobody's talked about that. So you're right. We're talking about the symptoms, but we're not getting to the core. And one of the other things, this is the second time I heard you use the word grace. And I think that's such a profound word. It's one of my favorite words is grace. And the other one is dignity, right? Treating people with dignity and then also being gracious, not just with others, but making sure we're gracious with ourselves. And another thing you're making me think about is the difference between judgment and curiosity. I've started when I see people that are doing something or putting something out there and I've seen a lot of people that are quick to judge. I go back to being curious, but I wonder why they said that. I wonder what the experience that makes them have that perspective. And I'm genuinely curious because that's the conversation that I want to, I don't want to have the argument. I want to have a conversation to really unearth things. Wow. This is such good, good conversation. So here's my question for folks that are entrepreneurs that are dealing with mental health, or maybe you started to build a team and you've got people on your team that have some mental health issues, like where do you start being able to have grace and compassion for people that are dealing with mental health issues? Where do we start? I think it starts again with looking in the mirror. I think every single one of us, actually, I don't think, I know. I know every single one of us have some sort of issue dealing with some trauma that is related to mental health. Mental health is just the state that you're in. Are you in more of a healthy state mentally or are you in more of an unhealthy state mentally? And that ebbs and flows. That, that depends on the experiences, the circumstances and how they impact you. Because we can have two separate experiences. I can see it as positive. You can see it as negative and it can impact your mental health. And if you share with me that this experience impacted your mental health, 
I would not understand because I had a different perspective on a similar experience. Mm -hmm. So we have to allow people to be the expert on their experiences mm -hmm. and how it affected them. That's the first thing. So saying, hey, that's not a really a big deal, get mm -hmm. over it, is minimizing the way that they process that experience. Yeah. So give people the opportunity, realize that some of the things that hurt you, you know, and I know, don't affect others the same way. So if that's true, maybe the thing that's hurting and affecting them that would not have affected you is just like that. And giving them the space to do that, offering up support. And then something to realize is this, especially in the workplace, personal relationships as well. People don't do things to us. People do things that serve themselves, that impact us. That's a big difference. And when you realize that you can take the woe is me or the personalizing everything out of it mm -hmm. and say, if I placed another human being in this situation, they would probably do the same thing because they're doing things to serve them, which means I'm not the problem. They're not the problem. They're continuing on a loop based on things that happen in their life. And yeah. what that allows you to have is the grace that I talked about, but mm -hmm. it also gives you the ability to have empathy which mm -hmm. takes away the anger and frustration, believing that these people are directing this towards me because I'm me. Yeah, I had to learn that lesson a lot. And I think a lot of that for me was the fear that I'm not able to control it. I can't stop it. So now I'm going to lash out or I'm going to be super defensive because I feel like I'm out of control. And I think that's with a lot of folks is that we feel like if you don't have coping skills, if you don't have a different way of thinking and a different way of seeing and that ability to have that empathy, it always comes back to somebody is out to get me. So they're doing this on purpose and I don't have any control over it. So, you know, and there's a whole bunch of energy that surrounds that. And that kind of energy makes for really toxic people and toxic workplaces, right? Absolutely. And one of the things that people don't take a step back when they start centering themselves that way, they don't realize that they become the toxicity that they are trying to avoid. Mm -hmm. The other part of this is very interesting is understanding that instead of looking at life or looking at situations as good and bad, we can look at, at the situations as challenging and things that are a little bit easier to digest. So mm -hmm. challenging ironically, I use the word blessings. Challenges are just the underbelly of blessings. We avoid hard things because we're taught, and this is something that we're taught by example and things that we hear, Disney and all this, that life is supposed to be good. Mm -hmm. Villains are bad. Mm -hmm. Heroes are good. This black and white and bad is something you avoid, but that's not real life. Real life is you have times when you win or victorious, and then you have times when you learn. Mm -hmm. And the learnings allow you to be the next stair step up to the next level. They're not failures. So when we can start to look at things differently, we're able to see that, no, not everyone is out to get me. No, a lot of this has to do with the way I perceive the world. And if I can start to ask myself this one powerful question, it'll help me to gain my bearings and foundation, is what I'm experiencing, is what I'm saying it is 100% true. Yeah. And if it isn't, I'm not allowed to go on to the next level of my spiral down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Is that Byron Katie? Is that where some of that 
comes from. Do you know her work? No, I no. think it's Byron Katie. She has a book and the book is called, Is It True? And that's mm -hmm. one of the foundational questions that she tells people to ask, is it really true? Like, especially when we're feeling a certain way about ourselves, you know, oh man, no one ever helps me. Is that really true? Oh, this isn't working. Well, is that really true? And you're right. Asking that question gives us a chance to say, pause for a minute without having blame, without judging ourselves and understanding that we're human, right? Like these are human experiences that we're having. And I love that you made that reference to Disney. I'm here in Orlando, right up the street from Disney, right? But you're right. It paints this picture that, you know, there's heroes and villains, but the reality is that even villains, a lot of times are the cause of people's triumphs. You wouldn't have a triumph if you didn't have that. So everybody has a role to play. Every situation has a role to play. And you touched on one of my other favorite points is that I think we get the words wrong when we say winning and losing. I think you're right. It's winning and learning. What can I learn from this? Right. So as we wrap up our conversation, Joan, this has been such a great conversation. I'm going to say fun because it has been fun. It's a heavier topic, but it's just been really good to have this open dialogue about this. What are some words of wisdom that you would like to share with um, entrepreneurs? It could be related to the topic of mental health or just like your general philosophy, period. What would you want to share? Yeah, I'd love to share. So entrepreneurship, being an entrepreneur nowadays is like a big thing. And people are saying, okay, if I'm supposed to do well, I need to be an entrepreneur. You, we just mentioned before, is this 100% true? So instead of leaning into whether I should be an entrepreneur or an employee or even putting labels on it, I would highly recommend, like a kid, lean into the areas in your life that pique your interest, that have a little bit of challenge mixed in. Mm. And if you lean in and you do that and you get excited about doing it again, just keep leaning in. And what I'm saying isn't coming from a theory or theoretically that way, that the biggest things in my life that were created happened that way. Zella Life was founded on it. And I'm going to share with you really quick as we wrap up. December 2021, if you remember the joke, that was the winter solstice, Black people, Black folks, we were supposed to get superpowers. And a lot of us did, but some did, they're hiding out there now. But when it happened, that was, I think it was either, yeah, December 2020. When that happened, that was the first day that I got on to Clubhouse, social media platform. And I was reluctant to get on. Someone told me about it. I saw these weird bubbles. People were talking. I said, this is goofy. I don't like this. But I leaned in. There was something that piqued my interest. Yeah. And there was some challenging things. And I saw people that needed help to be listened to or different perspectives because we're dealing with a stressful time. George Floyd and a lot of things happened. So I kept leaning in because it was challenging and it piqued my interest. But because I leaned in to something that felt that way, mm -hmm. what happened was I was able to align with who is now co-founder and my business partner, Remy Mraz. She would be in the audience listening, cheering, saying, yes, that makes sense. And we both had different practices, businesses, and we came together to create Zella. And through that, this year, we've helped so, last year, we've helped so many companies, big companies you're familiar with, to be able to have success. And people would say, how did you plan out your business? I didn't. I didn't plan out any of my businesses. I leaned in with childlike curiosity to the things that piqued my interest that had a little bit of challenge mixed into it. And I just allowed myself to let go of the control of the things I can't control and had fun. So that's the advice I would give founders. Think about that when it comes to the things that you're doing in your businesses 
and where you find it interesting and lean in those areas and just see what happens. I love that so much. What a great prescription, right? For really finding fulfillment and stepping into a purpose and finding your way into a purpose. I love that. And so for those of you who are listening, if you found this conversation impactful, please make sure you comment and make sure that you reach out to Julian. All their information for him and for Zella Life are going to be listed on the show notes, but please make sure you reach out and follow up. And if you're a company, you're growing your company and you want to make sure you're stepping onto the right path when it comes to diversity, inclusion, and really taking care of your team, definitely reach out to Julian. I'm sure they're going to have some resources. They're going to have some ways that they can support you in creating a well workspace for your growing company. Julian, it has been so much fun hanging out with you. I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for hanging out with us for today's episode. Check the show notes at tygoodwin.com for links and resources, and be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you found value in this episode, please leave us a rating. Until next time, be brilliant, be bankable, and show up like a boss in your life and your business.